The I-90 Express Podcast, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills, hot takes, and unwarranted opinions. And where down we go, oh, 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 where down we go, oh, oh, oh. All right, guys, welcome back to episode three of the I-90 Express Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen. Which quarterback is better? Which quarterback would we take in the future? Also get into some Julio Jones talk because the Browns and Bills fandom is, and everyone in the NFL is talking about that um, across the board. So, Freddie, let's jump into it. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, give me your thoughts on the quarterbacks. So, you know, the, these guys are always going to be compared to each other. I think that they, you know, of that class with originally five quarterbacks, really, I think pre-draft it was really four quarterbacks plus Lamar, and now – um, it's really Lamar, Allen, and Mayfield uh, that are left. I don't know. Maybe Darnold can resurrect his career. But anyways, I think these guys will always be compared to each other uh, because they came out in the same draft class, uh, particularly because all three are on big-time contenders now in the AFC um, and because they all play such different games that I think right now uh, Allen is the best quarterback of the three. I know Lamar already has an MVP. I know he's a really electric player, uh, but going forward, uh, I think Allen uh, is the best quarterback right now. However, I think that Mayfield has the arm talent and potentially the ability now that the Browns have their front office and head coaching situation stabilized to reach a higher ceiling than either of those guys on a, for a more sustained for a longer period of time because of the fact that Mayfield can win with his arm, but also have, he is not dependent on athletic ability that will inevitably decline uh, after the age of 30 and not to put him in this group, but he could, he has the physical ability. It's more, if he wants to, from the mental side, he can become a Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, yeah. uh, Tom Brady type guy who can pick you apart. I think Allen could do that too, potentially, but right now Allen and the way, uh, especially down the stretch when you looked at the AFC championship game last year against the Chiefs, um, even though I have a lot of respect for Brian Dable and what how they've built the offense around him, they've really built it around Allen's skill set. Um, it's a lot of, hey, here's, here's what's in front of you, and then use your God-given abilities and athleticism to go make a play. And that's the same concern that I would have um, as a Ravens fan going forward is when is Lamar's ability to make plays on his own outside of the structure of the offense going to decline. Now, Allen is in a totally different ballpark from an athleticism standpoint and a uh, ability to throw the ball outside the numbers accurately than uh, – Lamar because Lamar just can't do it. So if you ask Lamar to throw opposite hash outside the opposite numbers on time, NFL accuracy, hitting the guy in stride, I just show me that he can do it and I'll believe it. And I know they got Bateman uh, who I really, I know we both really liked out of the draft and I think he's a good player, but even with his catch radius, I don't know that he can help, uh, help Lamar enough, but I mean, we'll see. So for me right now, I think it's Josh Allen. Um, I think the most interesting thing also about Josh Allen is how he has had this linear progression of rookie year, not great, right? Second year, 
average, maybe yeah. pretty good. And then year three, now we're in the MVP conversation. And that is a really interesting thing because that is kind of what we would expect, right? That's the thing that we, that's how quarterbacks should go. But if we look at the history of the quarterback position, you know, recent history, last 20, 20 years, and like really the last generation, which I include Brady still in that last generation of, you know, and Roethlisberger, Brady Roethlisberger, um, Manning, those guys didn't have linear progressions. They came out really early uh, and struggled. Whether they had team success or not, that wasn't, they weren't carrying their team. They were maybe game managers or they were doing just enough to win, but they weren't as they became later in their careers after years four, five, and six, when they made these big jumps into the elite level uh, on a nonlinear progression, they were very much the reason that their team was winning later in their careers, early in their career. It was be in spite of them really, or because they just really had a great team around them. Allen, I think really had a, they really did a great job in Buffalo of number one. Hey, we've got McDermott. We've got Dable. This is the structure. And I think uh, there was, I can't remember what website it's on, but they do all NFL coverage. It's like a non-standard fan site for the bills. Also, they were talking about, they had some quotes from Allen um, this off season, talking about how comfortable he's in the system. He knows everybody. The language is always the same. He has this continuity. He can convey everything that Dable and McDermott want to the rest of the skill position players, to the offensive linemen, and they have his continuity. And the other great thing that I think personally, they added Stefan Diggs at the right moment, right? So you add this superstar receiver, this yeah. talent, when he is comfortable in year three. I think Odell Beckham showed up a year early for Baker, and that put too much pressure. The other thing is the Browns, I don't, I don't think we can put enough emphasis on the fact that Mayfield went through Hugh Jackson, who is a lame duck head coach. Then he had for eight games. Then he had, after the bye in his rookie year, he had Greg Williams. Oh, my goodness. Then they made a bad hire. And they got Freddie Kitchens, who everyone thought was good because he was the offensive coordinator play caller. And I was on board with Freddie Kitchens, too, in his rookie year when he started lighting the world on fire. But Freddie couldn't handle the head coaching job. And he just started doing crazy stuff like calling plays they hadn't practiced, all kinds of stuff. They also had huge problems on their offensive line because they had nothing at the tackle positions. And you just need strong tackle play, person, my personal opinion, particularly if you have a quarterback who's you know just under six six foot with, you know, maybe average athletic ability. Uh, he's got to have confidence in what his offensive line can do. And I just think this is my whole gripe. I mean, not gripe. I'm happy about it, but the Bengals, what they're doing with Joe Burrow, because you can have all the skill position talent if you want in the world, but if your offensive line is a sieve, you're not setting up that quarterback for success. So then you go from Freddie and now in year three, you go to Stefanski who ends up winning NFL coach of the year. Not that accolades are everything, but in a COVID-mired season, leads the Browns to their first playoffs in 17 years, first playoff win in 25 years, wins in Pittsburgh on the road um, in that playoff game that he wasn't even there for because he had COVID. And so, and and really, they gave the Chiefs all they could handle um, in that divisional round. And I know Mahomes got hurt, but <clears throat> they still went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs despite everything that they had going against them because they their secondary, secondary was riddled with injuries. So I think now Mayfield is at a point where he can have a trajectory similar to what Allen has. And now the question is what these guys can do once continuity starts falling apart, right? Because I think both of us are surprised. I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but I think were you surprised that Dable didn't get a head coaching job this offseason? 
Oh yeah, big time, big time. I'm glad he didn't. I mean, I'm I'm kind of torn because I think Ken Dorsey, who's been the QB coach of the last couple of years for the Bills, was kind of primed to take that you know offensive coordinating gig once Dayball left. Um, but I'm happy he's back. But yeah, I, the chart. I think the the GM general manager for the Chargers went to high school at Dayball, so like it was a perfect fit. You had a young quarterback, Justin Herbert, kind of like Josh Allen. You bring in the guy who mentored Josh Allen this whole time. So it seemed like a good fit to me, the whole Chargers situation. And then when that didn't work out, Dayball was like, wouldn't talk to the Texans, wouldn't talk to the Eagles. So it was kind of cool on that regard. He's just kind of picking and choosing his spots right now. But, yeah, I'm surprised he's not a head coach. But going back, yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly in terms of the Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen. Um, comparison, you look at it three ways. Okay, who was better in year one? Obviously, that was Baker Mayfield. That's not even an argument to this point. Year two is kind of a little bit different. I think they both were okay. Um, Josh Allen, I think the difference is, right, that linear like that linear graph projection, Mayfield took a step back while Josh Allen took a massive step forward um, in terms of accuracy. I mean, we'll go – I mean, his rookie year, Josh Allen, just showed his sheer athleticism, which was awesome. It made fans love him in year two. 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions. His first year um, in 12 games, he had, you know, 10 and 12 ratio. Going to 20 and nine was huge. Only 3,000 passing yards. Um, still, I think, had 500 rushing yards, which is a lot for a quarterback. And I think Mayfield had 3,800 yards passing uh, in his second year, but um, had 22 picks or 21 picks. He just – was throwing a lot of interceptions. So I think when you take that into consideration, Josh Allen's QBR is 49.4. I think Mayfield's was around 50, if I'm not mistaken, 54.4. So I think it's a wash there. I think Josh Allen, I don't even want to talk about his ability to run and um, score touchdowns with his legs because it's a quarterback discussion, not a running back discussion. And then in year three, I think we're both in agreement that Josh Allen, I mean, MVP level, 81.7 QBR. I mean, the, no one thought he was going to be as good as he was last year. And so it was just awesome to see uh, 4,500 yards, uh, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks. It was just played at a ridiculous level, high level all season. And I think that's when you talk about adding the Stefan Diggs factor. You had said it perfectly in year three, they brought him in. But I think it's not just that. Year one, he had Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin uh, catching balls as QB, as wide receiver one, wide receiver two. So it's just – and then the washed up LaShawn McCoy and running back. So it just, you know – it wasn't a good – he didn't come into a great situation or even a good situation. His line was kind of shaky at that point. Year two, the line gets a little better. Uh, you add um, Quentin Spain um, and a, a couple of other guys. You draft Cody Ford in the second round. But uh, you also add John Brown and Cole Beasley, which is huge for a quarterback. You, have, you now have two legit guys after having uh, these practice squad receivers. So you now have Cole Beasley and both him and John Brown were great last year. Uh, and then year three, you had Stephon Diggs, who is all world. I think he's a great receiver. Um, and now they add Emmanuel Sanders after they let John Brown go. So I still think it's a great trio of receivers. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, great. I'm not sure, but he's reliable at least. He's always been a reliable um, pass catcher. And Gabriel Davis is still a good receiver. So I think the cast around Josh Allen is great. And also the continuity, as you had mentioned, in the coaching staff cannot uh, be taken lightly at all. So I think, you know, first two years, I think first year Mayfield wins. Second year, I think it's a wash just in general. I think Allen just showed that progression. Uh, he wasn't great. He was pretty solid. He, I don't, wouldn't say he was good. Neither was Mayfield. In year three, I think, but then again, the Browns ran the ball 
a considerable amount of time. If Mayfield had the amount of pass attempts that Josh Allen, Josh Allen threw the ball 572 times last year. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw the ball 486 times. So if he throws the ball an extra hundred more times, the stats could be a little bit more similar. Uh, so, in, you know, the, the philosophy on offense, Dayball against the Seahawks, they ran the ball twice in the first half. So Allen had all the ability and all the opportunity to pad his stats all year long, but he also just looked good. His ability to create with his feet. I think next year, both, I mean, Baker Mayfield could take a massive step next year and he could surpass Josh Allen. I'm not sure about that, but I think both quarterbacks are primed to have a huge year number four. And I'm just, you know, it's just a good time for Browns and Bills fans to have quarterbacks that they naturally like, but I'm taking Josh Allen 10 times out of 10 in this argument. I think the other thing that, I don't know, how did you feel about the offensive line play for the Bills during the first three years of the Allen era? First year is terrible. Uh, second year um, was okay. I think that's when – so they had already drafted Deion Dawkins, he, and he was kind of nurturing into a great left tackle. I think he's the best left tackle in the AFC East now. Uh, and then year three, then they also hit on Daryl Williams, who they got now has extended. So year three, they had two great tackles. They had decent guard play. Um, Ford got injured all year long. And then Mitch Morse, they signed him in year two, and he was been great but all, injured. Um, and John Feliciano, who I think is in a replacement level guard, he's he was came in in year two. So I think I wish we didn't give up Wyatt Teller for a bag of balls, and that's a whole different other. He got the throne pick out of that. It was still Wyatt Teller was according to Pro Football Focus a top five guard in the NFL, if not the top guard. I can't remember, but he's really good. I think Pro Football Focus had him number one. Yeah, but he had some injury stuff. So he, I mean, he's going to probably hit free agency if he has another great year. He's hitting free agency. So I. I think that those are like the really three important factors with that I think people should take a look at whenever you're talking about quarterbacks, especially on rookie deals, is what's the coaching staff continuity look like from did they get the coaching staff right from the day you're drafted through your rookie contract? Do you have that correct the whole time? The second factor is what's the skill position talent look like? I actually think that's the third factor. I think the second factor is what's the offensive line play? And how do you protect them? Some of that can be mitigated if you have a quarterback who has superhuman athleticism like Allen, like Lamar. Um, you know, if you've got a Patrick Mahomes or whatever type guy, these guys are going to overcome some of that stuff. Uh, but if you have a traditional pocket passer like Baker Mayfield, I mean, he can throw on the run accurately, but he's not creating with his legs in any way. Uh, and number three, I think, is skill position talent. And how does that skill position talent fit exactly with this, what the skill set is of your quarterback in particular, right? Is this a guy who can chuck it down the field accurately? Is this a guy who dinks and dunks and is really a precision passer that is in more of a West Coast style that wants to throw underneath that can throw it 40, 40 times a game, but is up above 70% accuracy? And, you know, I, it, but I just think getting those things that fit together are really important factors for setting up a quarterback to succeed. Because I think that all these guys are really um, very talented. And I think they probably all work pretty hard. Obviously there's exceptions to this. There's a lot of stuff we don't know about this, but they worked really hard to get to be top five, you know, top five, top 10 draft picks in the, in the NFL draft. And I just, a lot of times we seem to put this narrative out there uh, that this is all on the quarterback and the quarterback has to do all that stuff. And there is at least, these three main factors, if not, you know, a myriad of more that we can't really analyze that determine whether these guys are successful or not. And if we went and looked at 
you know, other guys from this draft class, I mean, Josh Rosen, complete disaster with what he, he entered into in Arizona, whether he would have succeeded or not because of his what off the field stuff. I don't know who, who knows, but um, Lamar is in a situation that they literally tailor made that one of a uh, taste terrible coming out of my mouth, one of the premier organizations in the NFL in the Ravens and how they're run. And they decided, Hey, we're going to flip the script completely and set up our whole offense around what Lamar can do. It's if they tried to pigeonhole him, Dable might've done this because I think Dable has evolved quite a bit, but if they tried to turn him into a three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop, you're reading defenses, you're doing all this stuff. And we're, you, you can only create outside of structure, but we're not going to run you on design runs. There's not going to be read options. There's not going to be um, traditional option plays for you to get the offense really humming and take advantage of your skill set. He would already be a failure in the NFL, in my personal opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I mean, Darnold is just a disaster, just like, you know, everybody that goes through New York. So, the, and maybe he can turn around. He's still really young. You know, he's younger than some prospects that are coming out this yeah. year's draft class. So, um, it's possible, but he's, he's not off to a good start. Right. So that I just think that that whole discussion, it's really interesting to see where we go moving forward. I think the general consensus for the Brown between the Browns and Baker at this point is they're going to say, show me one more time um, going into year four because of the turbulence that he's faced. And I think Baker is betting on himself and he's going to say, Hey, bring the big money. Now, if he can play like he did uh, the last you know, from week nine through the AFC divisional round last year when he was playing like a, a statistically top five quarterback in the league. And they really put a lot more on him uh, in terms of running the ball, particularly when um, down the stretch as when Teller went out, they couldn't get the running game going. Chubb was hurt for a stretch. Um, they really put a lot on Baker. And, and to be honest, Baker played at a similar level to Pat Mahomes in the AFC divisional round, uh, except for the fact that Mahomes had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and the Browns were dealing with Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, and Donovan Peoples-Jones at the skill positions uh, to try and, and running into eight-man boxes because nobody was getting any respect. So how can, you know, Baker with renewed confidence for the first time in his career going through an offseason without changing terminology, without changing the offensive system, go and take that next level? How does OBJ reintegrate into that offense? Can he change things? Can the offense evolve uh, to throw the ball more so that Baker can um, get himself into that top tier of quarterbacks paid? Because I think at the end of the day, um, if you know for sure after one more year, whether that's at the bye week this year or between years four and five, I don't know how you feel about it as a Bills fan. I think if you have another MVP caliber season for Allen, or if you get Baker into that discussion where he's throwing 35 and less than 10 interceptions, 35 touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions, who cares that you got to pay him 42 million a year because you got your quarterback and it's so hard to get him, And it's so hard. It's been so long for both the Browns, and the bills to get a quarterback that what, exactly fine. We'll sort out the rest of the salary cap later, but we are just happy. Take my money, please. Not my money, but the Haslam's money. I don't care. I really don't care about the Haslam's money. But the, my point is that you, if you set these guys up for success and you let them build in the league in the best circumstances possible with 
the coaching staff, the offensive line play, and the skill position play. You could include defense is definitely a factor because it makes the game a little bit easier in terms of wins and losses. I don't know if that really helps your raw quarterback stats, but maybe it gives you a little confidence behind your head because you know you're going to get the ball back if you throw this pick. But the you set these guys up for success on their rookie contract, and then once you pay them these big money deals where they have to take a where they're going to earn a based on market value a huge chunk of your salary cap and you have to strip away some of the necessities they've already built the confidence they have the skills because they've had this continuity they already know what they're doing in the system uh, they're able to to overcome challenges like reduce skill position talent weaknesses at a position or two on the offensive line changes in coaching staff staffs that inevitably happen for good reasons or bad because people are getting fired or because you know offensive coordinators are taking play callers are taking uh, head coaching jobs whatever so I am just a big believer and it's much more complicated than what it is. And I think that a lot of the, the takes that we get now are based on how people had them assessed pre-draft. This is my guy and you're going to stand there. Well, why don't you just evolve your argument based on the evidence you have in the NFL, watching them play in the NFL. And have you actually watched the games? Are you considering all the circumstances that go into this? Uh, because I'm not a huge, I'm not Mr ride or die with Baker. If Baker's not good this year, then like draft a quarterback. Like, I just don't, I just want to win. Like I'm a Browns fan. I'm not a Baker fan. I'm not a Jarvis fan. I'm not an Odell fan, whatever. Let's just win. But I hope that he's successful because it's like the key to being successful in the future uh, is having these, um, is having these guys, having a quarterback, having a franchise quarterback that, you know, this is my guy. We're building every, everything else. So, we can around them. So I don't know how you feel about the Allen extension and where that talk is in this off season. Yeah. I think Mayfield and Allen are both in very similar. They had their fifth year exercise. I believe Baker definitely had his fifth year exercise. Yes, he did. Yes, they he haven't did. signed that massive extension. And I don't, as you said, it's going to be a ridiculous amount of money and it's going to suck against the cap. But as we've seen with Mahomes, there's ways, there's ways with an albatross of a contract to manipulate it in some way so that you can win now and then you can just kind of keep delegating. I don't, I don't know where the money's going, how they're doing the, the math into like signing bonuses and whatnot, but you know, the chiefs are still, still signing people at a pretty high, they, they freaking signed a, a guard for $90 million right this year. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out because they got rid of both their tackles and they, they brought in, um, the kid from Baltimore who's still on a relatively cheap deal, but they're going to ex extend him and they brought in this expensive guard. So we'll see, because obviously the offensive line play was a huge problem for the chiefs in the super bowl. Yeah. And that's what they were looking to do. It didn't help that Mahomes is on, you know, playing on one foot. Uh, but it is very, it's an interesting strategy for them. Uh, obviously their skill position talent is elite um, on top of having Mahomes when you have, a, I don't know if Tyree Hill is the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he is a singular wide receiver in what he can do, stretching the field horizontally and vertically. And then you put a top two, top three tight end in Travis Kelsey, who is a singular problem as a, as a matchup. Um, and, you know, when you're playing against, when you're running against five and six man boxes, it's not that hard uh, for your running backs to look good. So I don't know. And, and it's not to take anything away from the homes, but you have a, an excellent offensive mind in Andy Reid, whether he can win big games or not, you know, what, what his, you know, his, his 
the hires of his sons is on his coaching staff questionable, but whether he can draw plays X's and O's is I think beyond argument. So uh, no, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. I think that the Holmes contract is going to look really, really friendly here in two years when the cap goes up again under the new yeah. TV deal. Um, but no, it's really, it's, I think it's an interesting discussion. This is a critical year. I, it's going to be interesting also to see who blinks first between the Ravens, the Bills, and the Browns, because these other contracts impact each other uh, in terms of extension. Uh, I personally would be terrified if I was in the Ravens front office of giving an extension to Lamar uh, based on what he's done, particularly based on the fact of what he has earned, unfortunately, as, a, as an MVP. Uh, I mean, I guess they could lean on the fact that he has not been successful. It's always funny thinking about what these guys talk about in negotiations when they start negging their own players uh, on, well, you know, you just got your first playoff win the same day as Baker Mayfield in year three, and you've been to the playoffs before uh, the prior two seasons. So what's that about, Lamar? But the um, it, it, it's a really interesting discussion moving forward to see how much money those guys get. Uh, can Lamar evolve as a quarterback, as a thrower of the ball? Uh, beyond what he his his I think unmatched skill set as a runner from the quarterback position, um, but I don't know I don't I don't know if we can talk about it if we can talk in circles about it all day. But no, I think I think a, we, it's we, a very interesting discussion. And I think we'd probably both be in agreement that we would take both Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield right now going forward over Lamar Jackson. Not judging on anybody's would, past performance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, from a sustainability perspective, I just yeah. think they're both sustainable. Um, I think I think Baker's skill set is potentially more sustainable than Josh Allen's, but I think Josh Allen uh, can evolve more. He, he has shown the ability to do the things you need to sustain quarterback play in this league more so than Lamar has. And I think that he doesn't depend on his athletic ability to the extent that Lamar does. And I think that Lamar... Josh Allen's arm isn't going anywhere. And I think that he has shown that he's continued to work on his accuracy as he's developed these last three years enough that he can keep working on it to the point where he's going to, he, I mean, I think he can already make 99% of the throws, whether they're actually, you know, perfect every single time. Yeah. I don't know. Or whether he's still trying to throw the ball um, through a brick wall every time. So. I mean, having good receivers helps. I, I think yeah. what I agree with what you're kind of, you're, you're saying Josh Allen is not going to be able to run QB power for the rest of his uh, his the rest of his career exactly. in the red zone. Yeah, I think if he can model, I think if there's a really not that there's a hot chance that any quarterback can be Aaron Rodgers at age thirty, whatever. But I think if he can model his game in his later parts of his career after Aaron Rodgers, use whatever athletic ability you have with some type of intelligence. I'm pretty sure Josh Allen scored really high in the Wonderlic that if you're able to manipulate the pocket and manipulate just running around and not actually rushing the football, then I think he can, his, his skill set is sustained, will be a sustainable. And I'm, I hope they sign him to like a 25 year. I, I hope he's a bill for the next 15 years. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. After watching, I mean, you've, you've seen quarterbacks for the last 20 years for the, the Browns. I mean, you, Dude, I Tyrod was good. I Ty like Tyrod. I was a Tyrod fan. I, I was I was happy with Tyrod. That's that's like kind of when my the Bills fandom kind of started for me. You know, Tyrod well, was noodle, there. noodle arm Tyrod, throw it as high as I can. As far and, as I and, can. and and I was happy when he did that because that means he was actually throwing the ball downfield and not checking it down. I like check it to Tyrod. the running back. Check it down the check the, it down. Lashawn McCoy. Safe play. Th- yeah, 
And it, you like Tyrod and Khalil. I mean, Tyrod has I love been like a magic charm for five teams at this point. Yeah. Hey, at least the Bills and the Browns didn't puncture Tyrod's lung, giving him a painkiller for a cracked rib oh like the Chargers. I, I hope so. I hope his camp sued that guy for a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that these teams are covered in their contracts. They can't be sued, unfortunately. No. That is unfortunately for I mean, Tyrod. Like Let's talk Justin. Julio. All right, let's all right, talk Julio. Yeah. Right, let's talk Julio. I, I'll let you. There's not. I, I think I'll, I'll be quick with the Bills stand front. I think it would be so fun to have Julio Jones in Buffalo. I don't think Julio Jones wants to be in Buffalo, and I don't think Stephon Diggs wants Julio in Buffalo. And so let's keep Stephon Diggs happy. That's all I give a damn about. And so people, I mean, as we know, Stephon Diggs, great receiver, but kind of sensitive what happened in Minnesota, like a little, little diva action, but he's been great in Buffalo. I don't want to, I don't want to add too many alpha dogs in the room. I'm fine without Julio Jones. I think it'd be fun to have that. And, but we have Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis. I'm fine without Julio Jones. That's my piece. Give me Julio. Give me Julio <laughs> what now. What would you give up for Julio? <sighs> Definitely not a first. I think a second. I think I would do a second. Because he, I would be, more, I would be more inclined to do a third, and some something down the line. Uh, I would give up Najoku and like a fifth. Uh, oh, they don't care. About I Nijoku. just think, yeah, I think Najoku is a talented player. He might end up taking Austin Hooper's contract after this year, but that's neither here nor there. I, this is my thing on Najoku. So the Browns have the cap space to sign him right now. Don't have to cut anybody. No moves required. They've got twenty-two million. Uh, after cutting Sheldon Richardson, they want to roll it over. So I get that, but they can basically for the same price, a couple mil more for Julio, they can cut Jarvis Landry. They can walk from Jarvis Landry right now with like a 2 million dead cap. Okay. I, it, and there are all kinds of Browns fans out there that are saying, oh, I'd rather have Jarvis. He's a big locker room guy. He's a big start of the turnaround. <laughs> it's because I don't know if you remember the hard knocks when the Browns were on it. Yeah. Uh, oh, rookie year. And Jarvis was in there and saying, we're practicing. That weak shit doesn't live here anymore. And it's great. It's awesome. It fires you up. He's, a, he's, a, he's maybe the 20th best wide receiver in the league. He's paid $15 million a year. He, he, is, he is essentially a glorified tight end based on the routes that he can run at his career. I love Jarvis. Love him. You're telling me that Jar, I, my choices are – not to trade Jarvis for Julio, but trade for Julio. Let's say it's let's say it's a second and a fourth. Okay, I could I could live with that. Second and a fourth, and we get rid of Jarvis, and I get a top three or top five wide receiver in the league, unique in his size, speed, ability to catch the ball down the field, two-time All-Pro, and I can line him up across from Odell Beckham. On the same at the same time, and that's a question that we're that's a debate that we're having. Why? Because he had an injury plague season last year. He he every year of his career has caught more catches, more touchdowns, more yards than than Jarvis. And I understand he's two years older than Jarvis, and Jarvis is very reliable. It's not, like, a, it's not an argument. This is, yeah, this is a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame. Julio Jones is going to the Hall of Fame, right? We're all in agreement. It's oh, like yeah. a question of whether he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer or not at this point. And I just don't get the resistance 
Well, I, these are professional athletes. So if you don't like that, you're going to bring in a superstar guy. And this is my whole thing with Stefan Dix. Don't, I don't care, Stefan. I don't care. Show me that you deserved it, that you're better than Julio. And then you'll get the ball more. It's, you don't want Julio too bad. You're not the GM retire and be a GM apply for the job (laughs) and you can do that. But if, or you can be a player GM, I guess, but I just, and I think now that there's, there's a structure in place. I just think that, and this whole thing of, well, Jarvis was a big part of the turnaround. Jarvis's first year, they won six games under Hugh Jackson. I'm not paying wide receivers to be leaders and to give me culture. That's what the head coach and the GM are getting paid for. And maybe the quarterback a little bit, but if Baker can't handle it at this point, then he, he also doesn't deserve the extension. And that's the same thing also with Odell coming back, by the way, is if he, if he starts falling apart because he's forcing the ball to Odell or whatever, and he it's too much, then you're not the guy, man. You don't deserve $40 million a year because that's a part of the deal is dealing with the personalities and being able to put, just read the field, go to the open man. That's it. Run the play that's called and throw the ball to the open guy. That's what you have to do. That's who gets the ball. Not 13 because he's 13 and he's got a bajillion Instagram followers. Don't care. And I just think that anyone who is saying, oh, man, I don't know about Julio. No way. Like every team in the league should want him. And there's this discussion about the Ravens. There's discussion about the Titans. They don't have the cap space to do it. So, yes, you can manipulate the cap. You can turn signing bonus money. You can turn salary into signing bonus money and add void years and do all this stuff. Okay, great. But right now, as it is today, the teams that really make sense in the AFC, the Colts, I don't know why. I guess this isn't the NBA, so he doesn't have a no-trade clause. doesn't matter. (laughs) Who wants to play with Carson Wentz? Who wants to play with Carson Wentz at this point in their career? I don't know. But – It'll be very interesting to see where he lands. I don't know if they want to trade him in the conference. I don't know why they should care. They're more than three years away from, yeah, from contending you know, they, again. They need to get old Matty Ryan out of there. If they could get a, if they could get a a a first round pick, they should just take it. Who I don't care if you have to trade him within. I the, think the, the, the you division. get three years of Julio. I think that if the freaking Cowboys can get a first round pick for a year and a half of Amari Cooper, you, you best believe the Falcons about to get a first round pick. I don't know, though. I don't know. At this age, I think if they had already gotten offered a first-round pick, they would have done the deal. You think so? I just – I mean, see – I don't know. I'm not denying There's a lot of conflicting would... media reports out there. I would not give up a first for him because I think that a wide receiver over 32, yes. you're about – the Browns are about to have multiple players on big money extensions. Miles, is a, his money is about to come due. I mean, he already signed the extension, but we're about to hit the – the expensive part of that contract. If you're going to extend Baker, you just, I, you need, you need players on rookie contracts. Not that you can't stomach Julio's contract, but you need those guys. You need the first round elite talents. You need those shots on first round talent. I'm not going to do this. Like who is it? Is it Grenke? Sam Grenke, the GM for the Rams that they don't have a first round pick till um, like my kids can drive or something. Yeah, exactly. But, They've been trading first round picks like it's candy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like this isn't the yeah, NBA. His yeah. 2025 first round pick is burning a hole in his pocket right now because he can't trade it yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I agree. Like the so Seahawks you, strategy. 
if if yeah, I I, I kind of see your point. If you sign, if you trade for Julio Jones, that's a over three years, sixty plus million dollars you're tied to. So it's not it's not like signing somebody on their rookie deal. Um, that's just a lot of money, man. See, if, as, there's no denying that Julio Jones is a top five receiver, top three receiver. I mean, if someone's going to argue he's the best receiver in the league, sure, I'm not even going to argue against that. It's the fact that the Bills already have a top three wide receiver room in the AFC, in my opinion. And, you know, adding more. Why don't you want to be number one? It doesn't matter about number number one. one. It's making the team. If if they want to sign, like if they were to trade for a ridiculous, you know, like a edge rusher, then that's way more. You got the Bills are fine. I see that. I see what you're saying because the Bills don't have an edge rusher. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. We don't have like we do. If TJ Watt somehow came on the market. Uh, yeah, I'm giving up the next five first-round draft picks that the Bills have for T.J. Watt because and what's the Bills' I'm, defensive coordinator's name? Uh, Leslie Frazier. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So okay, Leslie Frazier, AFC Championship game, Browns Bills. We can say it's in Buffalo. Whatever you want. And Leslie Frazier has to game plan now against Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. What are you doing? Oh, well, I think what Odell Beckham's do? getting is getting absolutely clamped down by Trey White. However, I mean, no matter who's so player, okay, so fine. Julio, yeah, then you got Julio the Jones, time. and then you, you you know you got Micah Hyde over the top and four guys underneath trying to stop Julio Jones, which is fine. And that's yeah. fine. And then the Browns are just going to run it forty times. When they and that, yeah, that's the whole. I, I think the carry. Browns are prime for a great. I mean, I think they should go ahead and just give up a first round pick for Julio Jones. I wouldn't see. I just don't want to do a first, and I don't think the Browns front office will do a first because they are in. You know, you've got this Paul De Podesta from the Moneyball Athletics as the you know senior strategist, whatever his name is, sitting over top advising everything. And the Browns' strategy is not to go all in on a shirt. And all the the folks who have inside information say the Browns are not interested in Julio. By the way, so this is really an academic discussion of just what I would do. Oh no, uh, I, absolutely. But but the they are interested in the longest window possible. So what does that mean? It's not taking these sugar hits. I don't think they would have done the Odell deal if this if this group was uh, uh, in charge then because they are all about having sustained success as many opportunities to get to the tournament in the playoffs as possible where NFL, not quite as unpredictable as major league baseball in terms of who ends up winning the world series, but you got to get to the tournament to win the tournament. So what does that mean? We're not going to sacrifice the future for this year or a two year window when you potentially have, if your quarterback can buff out just like the bills can, you have a potential 10, 15 year window here where you can really try to make the playoffs 80% of the time, uh, barring injuries. So it, I think the Julio thing is fun. I think it's great like banter for everyone because I don't know. It just like makes people crazy. It's also the off season. I, I don't know. Did is Allen at OTAs? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Allen's a good old country. Yeah. He's going to be there every time. So None of the Browns offensive players went. The Browns have this problem with J.C. Treader being the president of the NFLPA. So all the defensive players are there and none of the offensive players are at OTAs yet. Supposedly, maybe next week. I don't know. But the the hand wringing over the optional workouts and you should be there. And it's summer camp like these guys aren't professionals and as if people are generally inclined to do things that are optional for their jobs uh, if they don't 
have to. And just it's just a stupid thing in general. I hope in the next CBA they just get rid of this optional thing uh, entirely because it's just like inane discussion. I don't know. The NFL probably likes it, though, because people are just like discussing yeah, who's exactly. not there. What are they doing? Uh, they're playing Diggs golf in Hawaii. Yeah, Stefan Diggs is out like, there. Yeah, doing his thing. So, yeah, I don't – and then if the Browns lose to the Chiefs, I mean, if they would have just done these OTA practices in shorts and helmets, <laughs> I, I think know. that would have been the difference. I, I just think that that would have been the difference if you're going to make the playoffs or not. Probably if you do these these shorts and T-shirts <laughs> practices in June, the first week of June, got to gotta make sure these guys have been playing football for 15, 20 years. I, I will say this. I think rookie OTAs are, are somewhat of an importance. I, I don't think the OTAs in general. I think the OTAs are redundant as you right. like I think you're going to have a rookie minicamp. I'm sure, this, I'm sure that the players will be happy to sell out future players, as we've seen in, with the rookie pay scale and everything they've done in the past. They're happy to sell out the future, future players that don't <laughs> have a vote, just like we cash. do with our kids now, to, to get a little bit of the present. But, no, I mean, it's – I don't know. We're in the we're in the doldrums now, so it'll be interesting to see if Baker Mayfield shows up. But um, no, I don't know, man. I I think it's I'm anxious. It's gonna be we're gonna get into the dog days here of summer, and it's gonna be very lacking in content. But it'll be good. Wherever Julio lands will be awesome. Hopefully, Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers gets traded. Uh, hey, I'm on the lookout. Wish list. Wish list now that we're post June one cuts. Trey Boston now available, free safety. Love him. I'd love him in the Browns depth role. Still can play a little bit, but pure free safety. The Browns are just hoarding DBs at this point. I, I was a big fan of the exactly. Tour. Take oh, them all, man. I want all DBs. I want there to be three linebackers on the roster, and that's I, it. I think the Browns on the lowest of keys have a really solid second. It, it all depends on if Greg Newsom does well, but Troy Hill, Newsom, and then Denzel Ward. I'm a big fan of that. You know, cornerback. Right? I think it could be good. I think if Greedy Williams can come back, that's good. Um, the, the the problem with the secondary is it's a bunch of. Except Troy Hill and John Johnson, you have guys who are have a history, a, a propensity for injuries, and I like all those guys, safety and cornerbacks considered. But Denzel's never played more than twelve games. Greedy Williams missed all of last year. He missed time his rookie year. I I wasn't particularly impressed with his rookie year either. I think he's got skills, but I think um, he's got to make a big jump, and it's very hard when you're recovering from a nerve injury. Well, Newsom had nagging injuries throughout his career uh, at Northwestern. I think he's very talented, but we'll see. Troy Hill, model of consistency uh, as a guy who played outside and then was one of the top slot guys. I would like them to bring in another veteran corner, but I don't know if there's a guy out there that's willing to take that cornerback four role. Um, Evan Johnson, then, baby, bring him back in. Is he still is he still walking around? I yeah. don't think he's coming back. I don't think, I don't he think was, everybody signed him. He was not very good last year, frankly. Um, so he had, in his defense, he had to play a lot more outside. Well, first of all, he had like a lacerated kidney yeah. or something yeah, in I training camp. Uh, and then he had to play a lot more outside than he wanted to. I'm sure he got COVID because everyone on the Browns got COVID last year, it seemed like. And then uh and then it was uh you know, one of those things where uh, he just – he wasn't very good. So, I'm happy with Troy Hill pick up there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. And then you've got Grant Delpa coming off uh, his Achilles 
And John Johnson, the third model of consistency, I think a top three safety in the league, maybe top five. I don't know. There's, I think the Bills guys are both good. Um, I just don't know if they're like the top end safeties. I yeah, think I they're think, the best tandem yeah, I think together, together elite, but, uh, but I don't know individually if they're like super. Um, and then uh, you've got Ronnie Harrison, who had a lot of injuries last year. He showed some promise when he was playing, but I'll be very interested to see how he how he does. But I think he's the weak link of the secondary for sure. Harrison. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, it's going to be interesting to see how many snaps he, he plays because he, I think Owusu Koromoa is coming for his job eventually, even though they say he's a linebacker as a will. I think that, that he might end up being more of that strong safety overhang guy. So, it, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how they run it out there. But anyways, a different a podcast for a different day. And I changing gears, I just want to talk – I know I, I referenced PFF earlier – they came out with some absolute garbage saying Dag Prescott is better than Josh Allen. And I was reading that and I, and I gave him the click and everything. And I was reading it. And I was really, really baffled and beside myself that an article could make me feel some type of way. But yeah, no, I, I don't think Dak, Dak Prescott anywhere is, I think he's a solid quarterback. I don't think he's anywhere close to Josh Allen. And that's probably me being the biggest homer in the world. But I just wanted to point that out. That I Dak like that. I think Dak is very good. I, I think Josh Allen is, is great and screw Dak and the freaking Cowboys. Have, they can go ahead and win four games this year for all I care. But, yeah, that I, I did want to touch on that rant at some point in this podcast. But, yeah, podcast for another time. Uh, but, no, I, I think we can go through and podcast the other time, positions group. I, I, I do enjoy the Browns secondary outside of Harrison, but – I think they've done a great job. And Owusu Koromora, whatever, how you, how do you enunciate that last name? I think that's a really just underrated draft pick. I know we talked about it last time, but if if he can just produce in the first three years, at the in the mid fifties or wherever you guys picked him, I think that's just gravy. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's a big swing. So, but at fifty, I like him a lot better. Yeah, I don't know if it's a big swing at fifty. Twenty six. Yeah, he's at, a yeah. big swing at twenty six. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. at twenty six. The at Bills, 26, I would not have been happy with that pick. Yeah, the Bills swing big with Rousseau at 30. I mean, I think that's a big swing it, with the Bills. Right. Did, I don't think – I think what the Browns did was was very, was very uh, Lindor in 2019. Like, not in 2021. He's been not that good. Hey, he's hitting above the Mendoza line. <laughs> he Thanks, Mets. Hey, also, Ahmed Rosario is playing pretty good for the, for the Indians. He's definitely batting above – Lindor. So. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember telling you that Rosario was at, was the hottest of garbage, and he's playing better than Lindor right now. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, two months into a six month season, but I'm enjoying I'm, it right now. I'm All actually, of my friends that are Mets fans, super mad. I mean, they're not that mad. The Mets are in first place with Lindor playing like ass, and then like when Dor starts playing like Lindor, it's just going to be terrible. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Don't worry. The Braves. The Braves are going to put it together. I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not no. remotely worried about the Mets. I, we haven't even come out with a podcast on the Braves since the whole Marcelo Zuna thing. I don't know if you've seen that at all, but Azuna is, is maybe going to be convicted of a felony here in the next few days. So that's that's fun times. Well, that'll happen when you tell your wife you're going to kill her. So yeah, no, I agree. He should be put behind bars, and I kind of hope he is. Knock on wood. You're trying uh, to you're trying though after the World Series. Yeah, no, we, I mean we want to avoid the contract. Go ahead and avoid the contract. We don't owe him that money, and so it's. And he was batting worse than Lindor this year, so it wasn't like he was producing anything. But that's a podcast for an entirely different podcast. And yeah, we can come, to, we we can wrap this one up, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we we'll appreciate you. And we're down.